At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook, a Tuesday show for you. Ian Eagle, TNT, CBS Sports, will join us. We will talk about the Nets and Durant, Giants and Jets. We'll get into some story time, which he's got a few uh, good ones up his sleeve. So looking forward to talking with Ian. Uh, We will get to the Nets stuff with Durant. First off, the games today, Mets after winning last night. And uh, no letdown there. Bassett guts through eight innings, gives up a bunch of hits. Base runners all night, but the Mets win the game. Don't have to use Diaz. And, well, Diaz had the night off. But Mets now minus 320 at Bet Rivers. Total 8.5. Would expect them to win tonight. Similar to last night. I can't lay this kind of price. But if you're going to look at them for a prop, maybe first team to score a run, minus 135 at Bet Rivers, that might be a, a good way to play this. I figure if Carrasco can get, you know, one, two, three first inning, the Mets top of the lineup. Like last night, you can get a guy on, drive him in, and maybe you can win that way. Can't lay minus 320 in this kind of game. Uh, Yankees. Welcome back to the win column. They take on the Mariners. Uh, rematch of the game on Wednesday. Cole versus Castillo, where we're expecting a pitcher's duel. Cole blows up in the first inning, gives up three homers, gives up six runs, and then settles down, throws five shutout innings. Uh, Castillo, we know, has pitched really well against the Yankees, pitched really well in general. This is It's, it's funny. you know, he's, he's on the Reds and he's on the Mariners. This is the third time in the last you know few weeks he's pitched against the Yankees here. Uh, Yankees minus 130, total seven. I'll go under seven here. And I will go, boy, they're really making you pay for the under in the first five, under three. I'll just go with the under seven. I think we'll get the pitching duel we expected last Wednesday. I think Cole bounced back. He has these blowups. He has these hiccups. But usually he doesn't have two of them in a row for the most part. So I would expect Cole to pitch better. Again, he settled down. 
in that game on Wednesday. Castillo's been really good. Uh, so I would lean towards the under in that one. You know, minus 130 to one. I would lean towards the Yankees winning too. They haven't hit Castillo at all, but I think Cole pitched better. Uh, yeah, I think the under would be a good play. I would stay away from the game just in general. But uh, an important win for the Yankees last night just to sort of feel good about yourselves. They win. Toronto loses. So, you know, any that's why it's so hard to make up huge grounds in the division when you're down 11, 12 games. You know, you could look at them and hey, we win every day for a week. They lose every day for a week. We can make up five or six games just like that. Well, what happens last night? You know, when a team, you know, if you're the Blue Jays and you're trying to catch up and you're down nine in the loss column and you lose and the other team wins and it goes in the other direction, it's just the math becomes very hard. You can't afford any of these days where, you know, you lose is the trailing team and the other team wins. So Yankees uh, are going to win the division. You worry if it gets tight here, if it got down to like four or five after this huge lead, you'd be nervous. But I think we'll probably avoid that uh, with the Yankees winning last night, uh, scoring some runs. Tyone hasn't been great. But uh, the Yankees get a win they need. And again, their season for the most part is going to start in October. It's about getting Stanton back, getting Rizzo back, hopefully getting Severino back. And, you know, you always hear getting hot at the right time. The Yankees, you can make the case, they got cold at the right time. You know what? If you're going to slump, if you're going to have a bad month, let it be July and August when you have a huge lead. It doesn't affect you in terms of the seeding. Maybe you drop to the two seed here. You're neck and neck with the Astros. But, uh Yankees in good shape. Mets in good shape. They are now a full seven games up on Atlanta. Like I said yesterday, they are going to win the NL East. Yankees are going to win the AL East. Both of them will get the bye into that division round, which is the quarterfinals, two steps away from the World Series, the best of five. So both teams in good shape. Uh, if you want to take a look here at the futures market at Bet Rivers in terms of the World Series, it is... Boy, I mentioned this the other day as I'm looking at the American League. Astros plus 170, Yankees plus 175. Finally, the Yankees have longer odds, pretty much dead even odds, but a little bit longer odds than Houston. It made no sense. The other day, Yankees were like plus 130, and Houston was plus 200. That made no sense because they, they should at least be even. For Houston to have longer odds and significantly longer odds made no sense. But uh, for looking at the World Series odds, Dodgers, who have been red hot, plus 330 to win the World Series. Yankees 4-1. to one. It's funny. Astros plus 415. So the Astros have slightly longer odds to win the World Series, but shorter odds to make the World Series. Not by a lot, but still, that's a, a strange dynamic. The Mets, 5-1. to one. Braves, 12-1. to one. Padres, 13-1. to one. They played terribly with Soto. Lost four out of five. out of six. They're one and five with Soto. So, uh, you know, it still comes down to pitching. So, and they actually pitched well last night, but couldn't score a run uh, against the Giants. Blue Jays, 15-1. to one. Cardinals, 30-1. to one. Brewers, 35-1. to one. Phillies, 40-1. to one. Mariners, 40-1. to one. The Rays are 50-1. to one. That's interesting. I know they have a tough schedule the rest of the way. Uh, Twins 52 to 1, White Sox 55 to 1. Then you get the Guardians 100 to 1, the Orioles 250 to 1, who have played well despite all these trades. So I don't know. Throw 10 bucks on the Orioles. Not going to win, but you know what? Maybe you get your cash out up. Maybe you uh, can get them around into the playoffs. Just have some fun with it. But 250 to 1 for a team that's got a shot to make the playoffs. It has all these prospects. They called up Henderson the other day. So, uh, you know, maybe this, uh, maybe the Orioles 250 to one. If you're looking, it's probably a donation. It's probably a donation, but uh, it's an interesting crisis. They have played very well and have been a good story. But the story today, the main story, Durant, which we've had very little news about it. It was July 4th weekend where he said, you know what? Get me out of here. I want to be traded. And he started to go through the trade scenarios and we come to the conclusion, you know what? Not a lot of these trades make sense. Something that satisfies Durant, something that satisfies the Nets as they don't have any picks going forward. 
And if you trade Durant to a team for a bunch of picks, well, then those picks aren't aren't valuable because they have Durant on the team and he only wants to go to a really good team. So, and then plus the fact that you know what, if you trade him to the Heat, well, the Heat don't want to give you Butler and Adebayo. The Heat, the Heat want to give you you know spare parts. They want to give you Max Struess and a bunch of picks, which doesn't work for the Nets. Uh, they're not going to break up their team to give you Durant because that defeats the purpose. So I thought it was very hard to satisfy all parties. I thought he was staying. I suggested betting the Nets when they're 50 to 1, 40 to 1, 35 to 1. It's all the way down to 16 to 1. The book has not reacted to this news yet, but news did come out yesterday that Durant met with the Nets owner, Joe Sy, and the meeting did not go well, and he reiterated his demand to be traded unless Nash and Marks were fired. So, yeah, no big deal. Just get rid of my two bosses, and I'll, I'll be happy to stay. I mean, at some point, and this is what's tough about the league, and look, I love the NBA, I love all these sports. I, at some point, you got to say no to the player. Just say no. The guy's 33. He's under contract for four years. Just say no. You know what? If you don't want to be traded, if you don't want to play here, okay. What's your course of action? What are you threatening us with? What can you honestly do? You want to sit out? Fine. Sit out. Can't control you if you sit out. We'd like you to play. We'd definitely like you to play. And we have a, a title contender if you do play. But you know what? If you want to sit out, sit out. We're not going to just trade you for pennies on the dollar. Because you're in a little hissy fit. Play or don't play. But you're playing for us. Somebody's got to take a stand. Because this is a joke. I mean, these guys got four years left on a contract. You know what? And not only, hey, trade me. But trade me here. And only to these two places. You know, I have a little list with only two teams on it. Trade me to the Suns or the Heat. But by the way, if you trade me to the Heat, don't trade for Butler or Lowry or Adebayo. Because those are guys I want to play with. Okay. Somebody's got to say no. I mean, somebody's going to stand up and say no. So I don't know how this plays out. I've been adamant he stays with the Nets. This, for the first time, is something where I'm like, maybe I'm, I get a little nervous and they will trade him. Maybe to like that Boston, if they're going to trade him, the Boston package makes the most sense with Brown, either Smart or Robert Williams, and then a bunch of picks. That actually makes some sense, but that's not perfect either. Jalen Brown's under contract for two more years, so does that make sense for the Nets to have a guy who's only under contract for two years? That I don't know about. And if you're the Nets, I know it's different ownership, different regime. The Celtics basically took your soul a decade ago, 2013 with that trade and took all your players, took all your picks, just owned your franchise for a decade and you had to crawl out from underneath it. And you set up Boston here uh, in terms of the picks to build a, a title contender. You're going to do that again? Are you going to set them up again? Are you just going to give them Durant for Jalen Brown and you know, Marcus Smart and a couple of picks? I would not do that. I would not trade them. I would stand up. I would say no. Uh, and Joe Sy, the owner, did tweet out, we're going to do what's in the best interest of our organization. We stand by our coach and our GM. So maybe, you know what? These billionaires have egos too. These billionaires are tough. Maybe Sai looks at him and says, you know what? I'm not trading you. I'm not trading you. You have no leverage here. You have four years left on a deal. You're 33. You have nowhere to go. What can you possibly do? You can't make me trade you. So hopefully the Nets take a stand. I, I'm still, I, you know, I, like I said, I've been adamant the Nets are going to keep him. My confidence took a little bit of a hit with that tweet yesterday, but I still don't know where they trade him, what trade makes sense. And if I'm Cy, I'm just not letting this guy bully me into making the deal. I'm just not doing it. You know what? You want to pout? You can pout. We'll see you in September. Uh, that's how I would handle it. So we'll keep an eye on it. Again, a lot of these trade packages don't make any sense, and these teams are playing hardball with the Nets. Hey, I'm not giving you Scotty Barnes if I'm Toronto. Hey, I'm not giving you Brandon Ingram if I'm New Orleans. Okay, now they're going to see this, and they're going to play even more hardball they're going to play even harder so i i don't know i i'm still not sure how this plays out i think this could drag out uh it'll be fascinating so I, like i said i've been very confident he stays that confidence took a little bit of a hit yesterday but we'll see
we'll see. I mean, at some point, you got to tell these guys no. I mean, at some point, just say no. You know what? No. It's one thing if you have one year left on a deal and you're 25 and you can sort of force your way out and say, you know what? You're not getting anything for me. I'll sit out this one year and pretend like I'm hurt, and then I'll sign somewhere else and I'll screw you over. Durant can't really screw the Nets over here. He really has no leverage. He's 33, and he's got four years left on the deal, so I don't know what his sort of recourse is. So we'll keep an eye on it. But coming up next, Ian Eagle will give you his thoughts on the Durant situation, the Jets and Giants, some stories about Tom Brady. Uh, just uh, full disclosure, we talked about Ian right before this news broke, so we don't have his thoughts on you know the updated situation about the meeting not going well, but uh, most of the other questions are still relevant, and it's, uh, it's a great spot. So looking forward to talking to Ian. He's got a couple stories you won't want to miss. That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21 or older, available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back, and he is back. He is the voice of the Nets. You can see him everywhere, hear him everywhere. Yes Network, TNT, CBS, uh, Men's Fitness. He is everywhere. He is the great Ian Eagle, the best play-by-play man in the business. Ian, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. Hey, William. Great to talk to you again. Summer, this is a completely different vibe from our last conversation. It sure is. Uh, unfortunately, the Nets have not won a game since we last talked because we talked <laughs> right before game one of the uh, the playoffs and we thought right. hey maybe this will go seven classic series that was really closer than a sweep i mean game one they had game two they're up 17 and then the series just kind of got away from them it did and i think the way that series went has played a large role in the way this offseason has gone their approach to trying to build the team for 22 23 and then the obvious the elephant in the room where does KD stand? Where does Kyrie stand? And what is the future of this team looking like based upon the availability of these two guys? Are they going to be a part of it? Are they going to be on other teams? Will this team have a completely different look? The The moves that they made would indicate that they're going along business as usual. This is not a, a teardown. This is not a let's start over. Uh, this is an organization that clearly believes they can still compete. And now it's a question of figuring out whether or not your two best players are going to be a part of it. Yeah, usually when these superstars demand out, whether it's Anthony Davis, Paul George, you just go down the list. And th there's been a list of them lately, and I don't think it's great for the league, to be honest. But usually these guys get their way. So when Durant asks out, you know, Fourth of July weekend and says he makes it known he wants a trade, usually you figure, all right. Where's he going to go? What are the trade packages? Yep. Then you start looking at the packages. Nothing really makes sense. The fact that the Nets don't have their picks complicates this. Durant's under uh, under contract for four years. He's 33, so he doesn't have any leverage in terms of sitting out. The more I thought about it, the more I look at it, you know what? He's probably just going to come back. It's hard to satisfy the Nets in a trade. Durant's going to want to go to a team. You know, he wants to go to Miami, but he wants Butler out of Bayou and Lowry ought to be there. Well, Durant, I mean, Kevin, like it, it doesn't work like that. So the more I think about it, the more I look at it, I've just been under the impression that he's going to be back with the Nets. Yeah, everything you said, William, I, I believe is, is spot on. I think the Nets went into this with an open mind. If they got blown away by a trade offer, they would have considered it and would have looked at it as a way to pivot into the next iteration of what their team was going to be. That didn't happen. 
there were offers, certainly a, a bunch of offers, but none of them satisfied what the Nets were looking for out of this transaction. Kevin Durant has four years left on his deal. So the leverage, while a superstar can make the statement that he made, of course, there's always the possibility that a player would sit out and that brings a whole different set of problems. In this particular case, you've got to know the player that you're talking about. And KD does not strike me as someone that would be willing to sit out a year to make his point. He cares about balling, about winning, about scoring, about statistics and history. And while he may not talk about the idea of legacy, I think it does matter. When you're put in a certain pantheon of greatness, these things matter and how you handle your business. And by the way, playing. You've got to play in order to put up those stats, to be an all-timer, to be in that group. You already missed a year, full season because of injuries. So the idea that KD would sit out, I don't believe was ever a, a real distinct possibility. And if you're the Nets, you still have to do what's best for you. That's what the, the job is. If you're Sean Marks, uh, he has to be loyal to ownership, to the fan base, and to the franchise as a whole. And if there was not a deal to be made, then it is probably in your best interest to wait it out and see if this can be fixed or at least smoothed over enough. Steve Bullpett, longtime NBA writer and insider, had a story this week in regards to an upcoming meeting between Kevin Durant and Joe Sy. To me, that is the necessary step. Communication is the key in this process. Can you get on the same page? Can you find enough common ground that KD feels comfortable being a part of this, running it back, and trying to go out there and win a title? Because certainly with the talent that they have, they're going to be a factor in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and it's funny. I've heard you know what you said. A lot of people say, "Where hey, you know what? He can sit out a year, and that's his leverage." Well, he's under a four-year deal. He's thirty-three. Correct. It's essentially a lifetime deal. A lot of these guys, Anthony Davis, they had one year left on a deal, and their leverage was, "Hey, trade me now, or you're going to get nothing for me." And that's Correct. a lot of leverage. You can't afford that if you're a GM that just sets back your franchise. So, uh, not the same situation here with Durant. Do we do we ever find out like what he's upset about? What what he's mad? Like what set this off? Is it one specific thing? No, no, we don't know. Uh, that's obviously KD's business, and maybe the Nets have a better idea of that. You know, I think if anything comes out of this, the hope is that there is a better line of communication moving forward. And look, where we are in the NBA, star superstars who have earned certain things that come with the territory have also gotten to a point where they are in the driver's seat for a lot of these decisions because will they play, will they sign, will they be committed? Those are all questions that were never asked for many, many years. Yes, occasionally you would get a player that just was not engaged in the process and you were forced to, to make a deal. Now, because of the amount of money that's involved, you're, you're a partner. You're no longer a player. If you get to that level, if you're a max out player, you're a partner with the owner, with the GM. And if you're not communicating with your partner, and it goes both ways, don't get me wrong. You know, I do think that 
it's important for teams to be open and frank and forthright with their plans so that the superstar understands this is what we're doing. I don't know exactly what's going on over the last year or three years for that matter. Everything is pretty tight-lipped with the Nets organization, and that's not a bad thing, but the hope is that there's a two-way street where both sides can be very honest and upfront about what they're feeling. And there may have been a disconnect in that department that led to the the breaking news that uh, Kevin Durant was requesting a trade. And maybe even the vernacular is important here, that it wasn't ever, quote, a demand, but a request. What is at the root of all this? Uh, there are probably a bunch of things that may eventually come out or uh, may be uh, buried with uh, this whole chapter of Nets history if if things do get squared away. Yeah, you hit on something else there, and I don't know what the solution is. I know there's a CBA coming up, and it, I, I think it could be ugly. Uh, look, you've you watched the league for a while, you cover the league for a while, and not to be you know the back in my day guys because there's too much of that too, but. Man, there's a, there's a lot of this now with the musical chairs, with the superstars. These guys are unhappy every 10 minutes. James Harden goes from one team to another. I mean, you just go down the list here, the load management. Do you think this is a problem for the league just in general with the uh, dissatisfaction of all these superstars? Yeah, it's a potential problem. Uh, there's no doubt about it. You work towards free agency with the idea that you have a choice. You can pick and choose where you want to play. But it is incentivized to stay with the team that drafted you because there's more money that can be made. So the NBA recognized that they had a problem. They addressed it, that players were, were leaving at the first possible moment to go somewhere that was either considered a bigger market or a place where you could make more money off the court or a contender, whatever it might be. And the move they made did help. Bradley Beal, as an example, continues to sign in Washington because the money has been overflowing. He just is making money hand over fist. But there comes a point in your career where you say, okay, I've satisfied that part of it. What do I need to do in order to enter that next category of being a star or a superstar? And that's win. So the system is a bit flawed because there are teams that make poor decisions or don't draft well and perennially are out of the playoff picture. And now you're the one player that stuck around. Damian Lillard is probably the best example of all. They had some runs because of him and had a pretty good mix, but somewhere along the way, it, it went haywire and changes were made. GM was let go. Head coach was let go. It's a new era starting over. And Lillard keeps getting paid and getting paid a lot of money as the face of the franchise. But there's a chance that he's going to go through his career and his best years, which we're, we can argue are now potentially in the rearview mirror. I don't want to use the term wasted, but they never got to fulfill the potential of what was there and who's to blame in that situation. So, William, I get it. The criticism is valid, but there are no simple answers on this front. 
Yeah, and it's it's really a two-pronged problem, not just the guys asking out. I mean, people love the transactions, but that's an issue, these guys switching teams. And it's just the night-to-night of, you know, look, we do a betting show. Who's going to play? Well, yeah. we can't wait. we got to wait till 5 o'clock to see who's playing somebody. You know, here's what happens, too. The top guy doesn't want to play. Then it becomes the cool thing to sit out. So if the, if the you know, the top guy's going to play, well, the second-best player on his team wants to put on the suit and, and sit out, too. So it's become an issue. You know, the NBA used to be, you know, Tuesday in February, you could turn on and watch a game. Now it's just... That, that sort of day has been lost. And you brought up something with the teams giving Beal money, giving Lillard money. It's tough because it, it sort of – the rules punish the teams now where you draft a guy like Beal, you extend him once, you extend him twice, then you look up. I mean, you're paying him $60 million. It's not like Beal yep. is you know the best player on a title team, probably not even the second best player on a title team. Same, th- same thing with Lillard. The same thing happened with John Wall where you know you do things by the book and you, you know, have yep. these homegrown guys and it, it, you look up and it's, it ends up you – know, you, you be, you're penalized for it. Yeah, William, I would say it's all interconnected and the fans role in all this is actually really important because let's take the example you just gave. You're the owner of the Washington Wizards. You're Ted Leonsis and you're trying to do things the right way. You're rewarding the guys that have shown that uh, they're popular and the fans want to see them play and they've created Uh, some kind of presence within the marketplace and you pay Beal and you pay Wall and you're showing your fan base that we're committed. We're trying to do this the right way. We're trying to give you what you want. And then ultimately you look up and say there are issues with injuries and John Wall wasn't the guy he once was and now it's a, a salary dump or it's a problem for another problem. You acquire Russell Westbrook and that doesn't work. And now you see your team beginning to spiral. The second part of it, which has more to do with uh, what you mentioned, which is day to day, you don't know who's playing. And in your position, you're trying to figure out how to pick a winner. And it's hard to do that if you don't know who's going to be on the floor. The fans factor into this as well. Let's say the the Minnesota Timberwolves are coming to town and you're a huge fan of Carl Anthony Towns and you and your daughter or you and your son want to go to the game and you bought the ticket six weeks earlier with the idea that you're finally going to get a chance to see him. And then you find out that day that it's load management. It's the fourth game in six nights and uh, Minnesota's made the decision because the city you're in, Orlando, wherever it might be, that's a game they could win, maybe without Carl Anthony Towns. And you still show up and you look at the receipt on the ticket and you say, what happened here? Why? And this is a common issue right now in the league. And they know it. Uh, this, This is legitimate. And I don't know if it's a simple fix. You snap your fingers and tell every team you got to play your guys every night. Look, you're trying to manage and trying to win a championship and trying to figure out uh, exactly how to do that. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, we did learn there was something to it in Toronto. The guy was fresh for the postseason. Now, injuries happen, and they have nothing to do sometimes with load management. It's a fluke. But they're doing studies that indicate that uh, there are ways to preserve the body and there are, are teams that truly live by that standard. Yeah, it's tough because the answer, the solution's not, we all know it, but it's not something that anyone wants to admit or make sacrifices because 
look, we're doing this podcast in August. The season just ended, but the season's just about to start also. I mean, that kind of summarizes where the season's just too long. You know, you don't need 82 games. We all know. I mean, we, we could sit here now and know the five or six best, best teams. It's a little more wide open, I think, going into this year than usual. There's maybe eight teams. You can maybe even talk me to 10. Usually that list is three or four, but uh, the season's probably just way too long. But, William, the money is yeah. what it is, and the players want to get paid, and the owners want to make their money back on their investments, and the TV networks want to make their money back, and the regional networks want to make their money back, and the sponsors want to make their money back. So it's this huge machine, and while I recognize what you're saying, that if you made it a 62-game season, odds are it would probably be a better product and build in a rule that, hey, unless you have a legitimate injury – you play, but that 20 games, that 20 games of... Which is very hard to enforce, by the way. I mean, of course. Hey, my, ankle hurt, my ankle hurts. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. I mean, it's very hard to prove and enforce stuff. So that 20 games that you take away, that's 10 home games for each team right. that goes away. That's a revenue stream that you can't get back. You can't get back. And the way things work in the regional sports uh, network side is there's a certain number that they've got to hit in order to... Uh, justify the money that they pay for the rights. And the same holds true on the network side uh, with the windows of of inventory. So I wish there was a simple way. And trust me, if there was, uh, somebody would, would have already come up with it. Uh, this, this is going to be a topic moving forward. And as you try to adjust to the, the new parts of the league and fitness and scheduling it, it comes with another set of problems there's no getting around it yeah absolutely uh let's transition to football here as we get ready for uh the season you, you worked at fan for a while boy the jets and the giants it's been a long time since either's had any success which one do you think is in better shape let me ask it this way who wins a playoff game next the jets or the giants I would say the Jets are in better shape roster-wise. I like their roster. I like what they did in the draft. I like the way they're building the team. The problem for them is they're playing in a highly competitive division. And the idea that the Jets are ready to take on the Buffalo Bills or the Miami Dolphins or the New England Patriots at this stage is a very tall order. So it may require additional years for the Jets to get back to that level of credibility within their own division because it really starts there. In the NFL, uh, you can look at a team and, and really like what they are doing, but if they're in a challenging division, you're not going to see the fruits of your labor because you're playing the other teams in your division twice, whereas a team that's in a weaker division, you might see wins pop up that don't necessarily impress, but hey, you and I we look at it the same way. It's a result-oriented business. And at the end of the year, you are what your record says you are. The great Bill Parcells stated it, and it's 100% correct. But as you go deeper and as you analyze, there's a recognition that it's, uh, it's not as easy as it looks in the NFL. Every year, a team goes from worst to first. It's a near guarantee in the NFL. Why does that happen? Well, scheduling plays a big part of that. And I do think teams can improve and make a jump in one year's time with a really good draft class or a big-time free agent signing class or a player just gets a lot better. A quarterback shows that 
they are ready to take that next step. My concerns with the Giants, uh, they are under deep, deep salary cap challenges that Joe Schoen is trying to get out of. I like the hiring of Brian Dable, respect what he's done at a variety of places, learning how to win, learning how to work with big time players and get the most out of them. The questions for me will be at the skilled position with the Giants. Uh, I'm just not blown away by what they've got there. They're going to have to show a lot of improvement. And I would have said the same thing about the Jets a year ago, two years ago. I thought it was the worst collection of skill position players in the NFL. And now the Giants are beginning to get into that conversation. And look, defensively, you need playmakers in this league. You need guys that will register 14, 15 sacks in order to change the way an offense deals with you and an, an offensive coordinator schemes against you. And we're not seeing that right now with the big blue. So if you're asking me who is better set up for the future, I would tell you the Jets. But if you're asking me who may win a playoff game first, uh, the Giants play in a division where if they can make a few adjustments here and there, they might they might find themselves in the postseason before the Jets do. When you hosted for FAN, was it more fun? Like, was it easier to do a show when the teams were bad or when they were good, the local football teams? <laughs> uh, the way I viewed it, I, I was not of the, the ilk that rooted for the teams to do poorly. I thought it was just more enjoyable when the teams were good. I recognize that the shows may not be as entertaining, but because it was not my everyday life, I was never a Monday through Friday guy. The, the only set position I had was 1992. I did weekend overnights that entire year. Ooh, you, and, get some call, you get some calls at the weekend oh, overnights. I've listened to those, man. Tremendous. It was, some substances, some, uh, some fired up people. Tremendous. I, I had a guy, I, I showed up, did my show. I walked out of the studio at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning, and there's this, a guy standing there, and he said, hey, you Iron Eagle? And this is 1992. I said, yeah, yeah, I probably should have. He had no idea what I looked like. He said, uh, hands me a paper bag. And again, 92, we were innocent people back then. You didn't think twice. I take the bag. I said, what's this? He said, I heard on your show, you like, you like calzones and broccoli rolls. I was like, oh, yeah, great. Thank you so much. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, there's sauce in there, but that's in my personal Tupperware, so I'm going to need that back. <laughs> so I go to my girlfriend's apartment, who is now my wife, and, you know, I would go to sleep right away. I'd sleep try to get like four hours of sleep so I could function for the rest of the day and we would do something. I took the bag and I put it outside. You know, she had uh, a little uh, deck and I put it outside. I forgot about it, forgot about it. It's freezing, all the stuff freezes. Later that day, she's like, what is this by the way? I'm like, oh my God. I forgot about that. The calzone is frozen. But really, more importantly, 
the sauce in the personal Tupperware is frozen. So I said, well, we just got to go thaw it out. She's like, you're not going to eat that, are you? I go, no, no, no shot. So go back. I'm working at FAN. At that point, I was comboing. I was behind the scenes, but I was doing this weekend show. I was working on Mike and the Mad Dog during the week. And phone rings on the Tuesday, and it's the guy. He calls into the newsroom, and he's like, hey, Ian, remember I met you Sunday morning? I go, yeah, yeah, thanks so much. He said, how'd you enjoy that? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I enjoyed it. He said, okay, I'm going to need that Tupperware back. I'm going to need that back. I said, this is oh, like a Seinfeld scene. Yeah. I said, uh, I'm going to get that to you. Uh, give me a day or two. And I ended up leaving it at security. And, you know, after washing it out, these were the kind of characters that, that we were dealing with overnight. It was fun. It was a wild ride. Five, six hours of shows on Saturday morning, midnight to 6 a.m., Sunday morning, midnight. And uh, it made me a lot better because uh, you really had to work at it. It was it was not a simple just open up the phone lines and you're good to go. It it uh, required some some deft touch along the way. Oh, sure. It's like a, a hitter. You know, you got pitches coming at you from all different angles, all different speeds. It's not uh, you're not hitting off a tee in that uh, in that time slot. No. Uh, one last one before you get you out of here, and it, it's uh, it is another story time. This is one I've heard you tell on another podcast. You, I guess, you were doing a Patriots game, and your your schedule was crazy. And Tom Brady caught you eating a donut. Do you remember that story? Can you tell us that story? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll tell you the the quick version. I had a net game the night before. We're gonna meet with the Patriots Saturday morning, 9 a.m. in Foxborough. And that requires you to either fly to Providence or to Boston and then get the ride from there. And it's not simple. Uh, it requires an early morning flight. So I had a quick turnaround. I had had like three or four games that week. I think I did Thursday night football that week and two other net games. And I get there and I'm a wreck. I just have not had a lot of sleep. So we get to the facility. And one thing that the Patriots PR staff does an excellent job, they provide you with some form of nourishment, and it's Dunkin' Donuts. So there's some bagels there, and there are donuts there as well. There is coffee, I don't drink coffee, I've never had a sip of coffee. So I get there a little before nine, I haven't showered, uh, I'm, I'm probably dealing with some bags under my eyes, and I said to myself, look, I need a pick-me-up. I, I, got, I gotta get something, some fuel. So they have these large, liters of soda in a fridge. I was like, I'm in. I grabbed the Pepsi and I put it on the table. I grab a donut, I put it on the table. I crack the Pepsi open, I take a swig. And the rest of my crew is looking at me like, man, what a combo you got going right now at 8.57 <laughs> a.m. I take a bite of the donut and, you know, the the wrapper that, that isn't quite napkin quality but it sticks to the frosting that latches its way onto the donut as well and there's a bite out of the donut there's a clear swig out of the pepsi that's been taken and within 30 seconds in comes tom brady and tom looks impeccable and the guy has obviously 
taken anything that goes into his body very seriously and he just looks at my setup <laughs> and crushes me and rightfully so but he's like you got a lot going on there Ian you, do you do the the donut soda combo a lot <laughs> for breakfast I was like, oh no 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 no! I'm now I'm explaining. I had a game last night, and he starts cracking up. And I said, well, have you ever had like a Pepsi? And he's like, no, no. I said, and a donut? He goes, no. He goes, I have healthy donuts. He goes, there's a healthy donut place right down the block. I can, I can show you where it is. And I said, this sounds like an oxymoron to me. Like, why would you want a healthy donut? This makes no sense. That. That defeats the purpose of the donut. So we ended up having the Patriots like two weeks later. And obviously, you know, he comes right back with it. Like the next time we had the meeting and it was an afternoon meeting because they were a road team. He's like, where's your uh, donut Pepsi combination, dude? So that stuck with me for a while. And, uh, you know, Tom, Tom shamed me a bit. But I, I, I saw it from his perspective. That's funny. Uh, how, how is he? How is like he and Belichick to deal with? Is he? Are they exactly kind of what you'd think? Tom's great. Uh, once there's a trust level, and I was working with Dan Fouts for all those years. So uh, Dan knew Tom when he was a high school player in the Bay Area. So there was a real relationship there. Tom was terrific to deal with. Truly, Bill is a encyclopedia a wealth of information. The question with him in the production meetings is, can you get there? And it's not a, a simple route. It can be circuitous. Uh, you've got to find some avenues to get the conversation going that might not be broadcast related, but then eventually get to the stuff that you need. He is a really smart guy. He knows a lot about a lot, and uh, he's an interesting person to talk to. How it relates to your game and your matchups, I can't tell you that he will fill your your yellow legal pad. Uh, but there are some some real standouts in there. If you can get to those places, you'll get some gems. But it it's not it's not as simple as it might be with with some other coaches. Mike Tomlin, as an example, you just start talking and he'll he'll give you great stuff. Stuff that you can use on the air. Stuff about his guys, stuff about philosophy. Uh, that's just how he's wired. Bill, you, you got you to gotta mine for the gold to eventually get there. Yeah, Belichick's an old – he used to listen to FAN too from what, what he oh, said. Yeah. Where he was driving into – I think he was coaching the Jets. And 6 in the morning he'd be you know listening to Beningo overnight. He loved some of the guys, so it's funny. He loved them. And I think the thing about Bill that, that strikes me – he appreciates authenticity, and I don't think for him it's just go play the hits. He likes the B-side. He likes the other view of things. So I could see how he really liked Beningo. Beningo is a passionate guy. He, he speaks from the heart, and it's all very real, and I think that probably resonated with Bill, I think he likes those kinds of, of characters. Yeah, it's fascinating. Of all the things that people have listened and know who Joe Beningo is, I think Belichick and Beningo, I mean, it's about as funny a combination 
uh, as you can have. But Ian, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Hopefully we'll do this again down the road. I'm sure we, we will uh, we'll be seeing you plenty as these seasons get going. So I uh, appreciate you coming on. All right, William. Looking forward to it. We're getting there. I've got Jets, Eagles coming up next week, preseason game. And then a few weeks after that, Jets, Giants. And then before you know it, we got the regular season. So I know it's going to be a fun time for you, exciting time. And always great to chat with you, bud. Yeah, rematch of that, what was it, the Hail Mary and the two-point conversion to tie it last year, I think it was. <laughs> yes. You're all over it, as usual, William. All right, thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Ian Eagle. Again, the picks tonight, I would go with Mets to score the first run, and then I would get under seven Yankees in the Mariners. So those would be the picks for tonight. I should have mentioned this in the open, too. Uh, Matt Carpenter does have a fractured foot. Timeline is out six to eight weeks, so... Uh, that's right around when the playoffs start. If he's on the right side of that timetable, he can come back right before the playoffs. And if it's the eight weeks, boy, that would be right when the playoffs start. So it's always tricky, too, having an injury this time of the year, this late, because you know once you get into middle, late September, the minor league season's over. There's no more rehab games, so you'll have to do just you know live batting practice, simulated games, things like that. So the injuries continue to pile up here for the Yankees. Stanton out, Rizzo out, Carpenter out now. Uh, for an extended period of time. Big enough cushion in the division. We don't have to worry about it. Uh, obviously, keep an eye on the Astros. But uh, Yankees in action tonight. Mets in action tonight. We will be back tomorrow. We will do some football, some baseball. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, download, subscribe. See you tomorrow. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.